Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton and this is a podcast about the future of marketing. Every week or so I interview one of the leaders of this business and this week is no different. I have Nikki Taylor from UPS who's the Marketing Growth Strategy Director for Asia Pacific. I'm here in Singapore and this, this podcast is being run by Simon Kemp from Kepios. Uh, Simon's been on the, the podcast three times, uh, and this is the first time he's not actually going to say anything, but thank you nonetheless for providing the tech. So, Nikki, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So, um, I'm currently working for UPS, and I manage three teams. So, I have the PR and customer communications team. I have digital and content, and I also have the small business and CRM team. I've been in Asia, in Singapore for 14 years. It will be 15 years next year. And predominantly worked in B2B, but I have had a short stint with a couple of agencies on brand strategy with Interbrand and Added Value from Kanta. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. Right, so you work seven days a week then, by the sound of things. <laughs> My team How's might. It? Right, okay, fine. They're a good <laughs> but, team. But not me. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks so much. So, always at the start of the podcast, we do some getting to know you questions. Sure. So, quick, easy one. What is the most useful thing that you've bought with your own cash that you use for your work? Sure. Well, there's two. Okay. Uh, one is, is nothing out of the ordinary. It's a mouse because I really can't handle the touchpads. Right. And uh, I like a travel mouse. So I always a have that. It's a travel mouse. It's just, it's just smaller. I remember when I worked uh, okay. at Google, I could get one from the tech stop and it was the size of my hand. So I didn't know how to use it and I definitely couldn't travel with it. So I always buy a travel mouse. That's, that's number one. And the other one I have is actually a lapel microphone. Wow. <laughs> Tell me more about this. That's a, that's so, a first. So this is because, um, uh, so a while ago I um, was looking at taking our internal magazine um, into a digital format, into a video format, and uh, I worked a lot with a company called um, click to view which is one of the first content agencies here. And at the time, Neil Moore was, was one of their um, founders. And uh, basically, they were tasked with helping myself and my team become train the trainers of how to do better video. And one of the key tips that he gave us definitely through that training was that even if your video in the imagery is not great, it's okay as long as the sound is. Because if the sound is crap, no one's going to listen to it. So, you know, for $60, a lapel you know, mic means that if I'm there doing um, short grassroots videos after an event that we've developed, you know, at least I capture the sound and it's good. And that's why I always have it. And why didn't you expense that? That's a bit tight. Uh, UPS, isn't it? Like, they're going to surely they're going to send 60 UPS. quid. That wasn't UPS. And to be fair, the first company I had had actually already um, gone ahead and done it. It's it's when I moved to a, um, a different company. And so it was just easier to do that than put it through expenses. Yeah, that's a, such a great bit of advice. Uh, and, and But I think, oh God, let's get nerdy about microphones. <laughs> Someone who has terrible microphone technique, as Simon keeps pointing out. I find that the less confident someone is with a microphone, the further away from their mouth they hold it. Whereas mega confident people will, yeah. yeah. But then you have the whole rustling problem. Nope. You just dealt with that. Just know where to clip it. It's right. Totally okay, brilliant. Okay, well, moving on from the microphone section. <laughs> but uh, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a lesson for me, definitely. So, um, to have been in the region for 15 years and, and not be from the, the region necessarily, you must have made a couple of mistakes in your career. Um, but what has been the what has been the biggie, the one that you've like 
just at the time you were red faced and it was a nightmare but retrospectively it made you who you are I've been lucky enough I don't say I've been red faced and had any major one particular moment that it's just myself um, there's a couple where my team may have done something and I found out okay. and I've covered and uh, for example in Vietnam a video for a, an event was shown to me 10 p.m. before the day of the event and it wasn't on brand didn't really have a clear message um, but I let it go ahead because it wasn't going to damage the brand but I made sure it wasn't supposed to go outside because I knew senior management uh, would not be pleased with that uh, it did manage to get outside and so I was pulled in <laughs> <laughs> and asked if I knew about it, okay. but it was fine, you know. So I had a couple of those and, and other things where, you know, team members, um, obviously we have sensitive information, um, not all of them are trained in comms, so sometimes on social media posted things that uh, about, you know, uh, confidential information about investments and stuff like that that we hadn't released in the press that I needed to get down quickly. Uh, so things like that. Uh, but I guess the biggest one and definitely where the learnings has come from is I spent a good amount of time in Bangalore, the first three months of this year. And that's one of my previous job with Google. And I think the, I, I can't delve into the real details of it, but um, at Google I was on the food team and I was on doing the communications and the marketing for them. And in Bangalore, they, uh, we were on the vendor side and we had partners on the Google side and they were changing it over to us um, from a, a previous vendor. And we were rolling out uh, along with a remodel of the kitchen. And just it showed the importance of making sure that teams are not siloed and that everybody's aligned on the key messaging and who should actually do the messaging. And it was a perfect storm. So they decided to send messaging out from the Google side to the Googlers a week before Christmas from someone on the food team that was not well known. And probably they should have had a town hall meeting. So what happened is they all came back from Christmas wondering what happened and where's their favorite staff? Why is their kitchen shut down? Where's their food? And of course, we were the new people there. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with some angry Googlers over the food situation. And, you know, it took us quite a few months to, to sort of calm the situation down. And it really stemmed from, you know, operations team and, and out my team on a local and a regional level, not always being aligned. Uh, and then, you know, we've got global pressure as well. So it's that stakeholder management. And also, you know, just being honest and transparent with everybody. And when you say food, you mean the food at Google? Yes. Right. So a brilliant, brilliant story about the food at Google. I've, I've, I've had it a few times. It's pretty, pretty good. Uh, um, yes. Patrick Collister, one of the really early guests, said that... Uh, he, when he was at Google, he heard someone in the queue over say, oh, no, not roast quail again. <laughs> <laughs> they have some wonderful meals and they're very, uh, it's great. I could talk for hours on that. But I guess the key point of that was it was just a perfect storm of, of people not thinking through what the messages should be aligning. And when it did happen, not having that transparency. The other thing is at the time there was a gap. My boss wasn't there. I was had my boss boss who I didn't have a relationship with. And all of a sudden, you know, I had calls from her, what's going on, all this sort of stuff. And I didn't feel as open, I guess, of, of, of sharing what was happening on an operational level because that put my local team in jeopardy and, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I learned a lot from that on the crisis side of things and, you know, always being prepared. And just because you think it went okay in the 90 other openings you did, 
doesn't mean it's going to be okay on that one. And that's sort of what it happened. Everyone was rolling into Christmas. We were happy. Local team was office. Yeah, sure, it will all change. And then it did not. And I spent a lot of time in, in Bangalore as a result. So what has been the best investment of your time, energy or money in your career? Definitely, I spent a lot of time of trying to stay current on what the digital trends are. And I spent a lot of time about diving into my MarTech stack and, and understanding the detail about what um, programs we're using. So, you know, staying up to date of retargeting, whether it be display or for search, um, things like featured snippets where you're zero position now. Um, also, like shoppable posts. I mean, I'm someone who loves online shopping, so things like that are fantastic. Um, looking at, you know, marketing automations, when it comes to that, you know, I've, I've had hands-on experience with different programs. Um, before was Click Dimensions, now it's UPS, it's Marketo. I have my training coming up because I've only sort of um, been there a couple of months and my team actually do it. But it's important for me because, one, it, I understand the gaps we have because just because the MarkTech is there doesn't mean that you can function at 100%. Uh, so I understand what the limitations are for my team, but I also can manage the expectations of stakeholders above and sideways as well. So I think that's really important. Along with, you know, by understanding and staying current in all these digital trends, it helps my ability to educate other teams and my team much better. So, you know, questions that always come up around search, why do I need to paid search? I'll just do organic. Um, I can't take credit for it, but our corporate team did a fabulous analysis where we had to turn off search in pretty much 28 countries around the globe. And, uh, you know, the investment was a couple of hundred thousand, but the revenue lost was in the millions. And they, you know, this, this type of messaging is helps us educate everybody which keeps coming up with these questions. So that those type of things for me are really important to stay in, on top of. So how do you stay on top of digital trends? Because you could spend all day reading about this stuff. You could spend all day at conferences. You could yeah. spend all day watching webinars or reading long PowerPoint decks. Yeah. So how, how do you do it? How do you efficiently stay on top of the trends? Sure. So, I mean... In the early days, I used to read a lot of articles and I still do, but I'm a working mother. My kid is four and I still cuddle him to sleep. So I have about an hour where I sit in the dark and I can't speak. So I put podcasts on and uh, <laughs> I, uh, there's a podcast, there's a, an American podcast. I think they're in Texas or something. It's a bit cringeworthy, but they give good SEO tips. And so I listen to that one a lot. I think there's marketing over coffee. Obviously, yours is now on my list. Um, so, and also, I'm one of those people at lunch. I like to uh, take my own time. So that's actually another time, besides from doing admin, that I look at articles and I also go through podcasts. I am so impressed you listen to SEO podcasts when you're putting <laughs> your little one down. When I'm putting my little one down, I watch awful shit on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally the only time I don't, I'm not uh, you know, looking after someone or, or trying to run a business. But that that is impressive. Excellent. And thank you for pretending you're going to add this podcast <laughs> to the list. That was very polite of you. So, um, so what new belief or behaviours have you taken on in the last five years that have impacted your career? Well, I think it's a combination of... Um, in digital as it's progressed, we've got better of tracking. So that's definitely one thing that I've taken on that's helped the quality of my work. Um, the other part is the understanding that I need to speak the business language. So just, just go back to better tracking, like just uh, not wanting to make any assumptions about the audience. Can you just go into a bit of detail? What do you mean about that? Yeah, so, and, and that links to the other one is, so we have our metrics for, for marketing, which are telling us 
whether people click, whether they open, and you know whether they your ads, all those ROIs we have, which tells us things about our content and our messaging, that's fine. Um, but the next part is linking that through, did it come to a sales lead? Did that lead actually convert? And I've had different levels of um, data in organizations that I've worked. So a previous one, it was really difficult on some of the companies to get this, but you know, we put the effort in and actually had the engagement with sales to come back and track with us. So some of them had lead cycles of two years, right? So, I mean, that's really long to take. But they would at least tell us if it's a qualified lead and if they got a meeting out of that. And at least that helps when we're going up for investment. Some of them were a bit more short term. So that was great. They could come back within 30 days or even in three months or six months and give us an update of that and be able to track the revenue. But we put the effort into having to do that manually with the salespeople and building that relationship, and that was important. Um, with UPS, they have just data everywhere, which is great, uh, but sometimes it doesn't always match. But my team do a fabulous job of pulling multiple files and trying to make sense of it. And that is the most important thing when you talk about tracking for business leaders is what was the revenue? Um, you know, how much did I invest in and what was the profit and, and what came out of that? And understanding how to talk in their language about what we tracked is so important. And some, for some teams, it is about the, the quality of the leads or it is about, you know, getting the brand awareness out there. So definitely on the PR and the brand side, we have other metrics as well. So share a voice, um, especially share a voice against competitors and things like that. Um, you know, and tracking what the sentiment is in, in the news as well, especially with the trade wars and China. I mean, that definitely comes up. Um, so it depends on what they're looking at, but having all those metrics and being able to report on that in the last five years has definitely improved the quality of the marketing that I output. Right. I heard a new uh, sales lead terminology. Um, so we have a, a expression in the UK, which is bants, which is like, you know, banter. But do you know what a bant lead is? I just, this is no, I have not that heard is, of that. Uh, that is a lead where the person has budget authority, an actual need, and a time frame. Bant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a great uh, one to learn. Um, yeah, that's uh, probably only amusing to me. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, uh, so final getting to know you question. How do you want people to remember your career? Okay, so I mean, I'd like to be remembered as a, as a leader and a manager that really adds value. Someone that uh, welcomes open discussion. There's multiple times where I'm quite happy to be disproven. Um, actually, one quite recently, I challenged uh, my small, small business manager on the use of direct mails and vouchers because they are quite old school. And she took the challenge on and definitely from a direct mail point of view, she agrees on some of the programs we can cut it, but on some of the others is actually doing really, really well. Um, for the vouchers, we're still digging into that. We're running tests, but I'm quite happy to be disproven and I encourage that. And, you know, I hope that people see me as a manager that they learn from. Um, I've had some great mentors in, in my career. And one of my first ones uh, was in Australia and it was just before I left to move to Singapore. And I had uh, about two years with her, and I remember at the end saying to her, Kaz, thank you so much. I've learned so much from you. You've been wonderful as, as a manager. And she said to me, don't thank me. It's, it's my job as your manager to help you grow. You should always leave your job better skilled than when you start. What you can do for me now is pave the way forward and be a manager and leader that does the same for your team. And so I, I definitely took that to heart because I was quite young when that happened, and that's that's one of the things that I always look at. So I do hope that 
all the people that have worked with me that I've managed over the years do see me as a leader like that. I have quite a few from um, previous teams that still keep in contact, ask me for references or career advice. Um, and, you know, that's one of the aspects I really do enjoy. I do like being a people manager. So I, I hope at the end of my career, that's sort of what people remember me for. Oh, fantastic. Lovely answer. So <laughs> so let's let's get down into nitty gritty. So shiny new object. What yours is, uh, I've got it down here, AI, machine learning, and the role it plays in personalization, very close to my heart. So um, uh, when, when I briefed this podcast, I'm always like, talk about the thing you're, you're super passionate about. Uh, so I'm very keen to hear what you have to say about this and, and how, you're, how you're using those technologies in, in your role now. Yeah, well, it's it's a passion of mine because you know uh, you know I'm a consumer as well. I hate those ads that aren't relevant. I really hate the cold calls. I'm horrible, especially in Singapore. I will hang up on them if uh, they haven't got me at the right point, especially if they're financial advisors because I seem to get on the list for like the last 14 years. Um, one has actually got through, um, but you know, so I'm very very um, keen on making sure that what is shown is is relevant at the right time and is is relevant to me and machine learning is it's it's come a long way it's, so it's not new but it definitely has come a long way you've got programmatic you've got gdn where at least the basics you can start with the right right approach right you, you've got your list from who's visited your website you can have prospecting lists you can have um, new contacts you can have lookalike audiences so you've got the base level there um, it goes to next level when you can start to do different ads based on different segments. Um, you also have own channels, so where you have your own banners and your own messaging. I was so excited when we finally launched our abandonment cart banner only three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and this is the thing, right? It, it takes. No one has said that on this podcast yet. <laughs> but uh, congratulations. Thank you. And, and, it, and the thing is, this is this is what I love about this is that you know, in three weeks, it's a small, very small numbers that are seeing it in the segment uh, that we we're targeting. But out of that, 14 shipments have already gone through. So I'm happy with that. I mean, that's that's uh, three weeks. You know, I know that they're coming back. So if I can entice them further along, fantastic. And it shows that showing the right message at the right time works. I mean, you can see through your stats when you do retargeting market marketing, whether it be on search or whether it be on display, it always outranks, you know, your general um, marketing efforts. Because, you know, the more times you see it, the more relevant it is, the better click through you get. People don't act pretty much straight away. Um, especially, I think, on B2B and the ones that I've seen, it's an, it's an average of 30 days for an action. And that's what I've seen in the, the logistics industry. Um, so that really excites me because, you know, I, I love those numbers and figures. And I think that, you know, as it gets further along and your companies have the ability and this tech becomes more affordable, more and more people will be able to integrate it into their websites, into their advertising and everything like that. Um, the other side of personalization, um, very close to my heart, is obviously email marketing from a B2B side, even from a B2C. You know, email marketing is still forefront. We all do it, but it, it does work. It, it really does. And being able to segment those, those um, markets down, it just provides a better experience for the consumer and better result for you. Um, so in UPS, um, before my time, so they were set up and now with the help of my small business manager, we're starting to evolve them. Uh, we have three programs. So one is a new customer onboarding, take them through the six month process of you've signed up, how do you do this type of thing? So messaging and, you know, we, we've understood through the customer experience that 
they have problems with billings or filling out forms or you know um, customs or free trade agreements and things like that so we've sent the messages in a consistent manager along 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 their process of the six months we also have another program which is called our growth program obviously we want you to to spend more with us um, so you know we try to entice them along with different messages on that and then we have inactive customers so you've shipped with us but you've not been shipping with us for the last uh, three months so we want to get you back and, and those ones work quite well we sort of nudge them along and that's the base level that's just where we're starting so we put that out generically across Asia Pacific what we see when we drill down into that is that because we're not personalized or localized enough on countries is it's not working in all countries some some countries do fantastically some don't and that will definitely be one point of first contact is to look at the messaging the other thing is like the promo offers that we offer maybe they're not um, attractive enough or maybe they're not the right approach um, one of the key things you know not just digital but also offline I was reading some of the um, research that UPS had done a couple of years ago and especially for Thailand and Vietnam, and it hasn't changed across the board, is that they like that one-to-one -one sales approach, even with the digital side of things. Now, it, we're not in a position for the small business that are infrequent shippers to really give them that sales approach where they handhold them. But what we can do is start to develop um, you know, webinars where we, we take them through that, or what we're looking at is next year is having a one-to-many where we say, okay, great, you've signed up as part of our new customer care program, which we'll blast out an email. Sign up to our in-person training for two hours where we take you through how to fill in the forms, how to put your customs details in, and they have a trainer there that they can ask those individual questions. And then you get that stickiness of wanting to stay with us rather than look around, because being the incumbent means they're gonna ship with us more. They're always going to have someone else there as well, but being the incumbent means you get a bigger share of the pie. So definitely things like that with with um, personalization of emails, that super excites me. And we're just at the beginning. I think, you know, a lot of companies are similar in that. It just takes a lot of time in setting that up and the MarTech um, difficulties you have and then looking at how you, how you track, how you better optimize those content going forward. Um, and there's going to be new machine learning that helps us process that information because that's one of the, the difficulties that we have as humans when we analyze these things, it's subjective and we can only do so much and we have opinions that um, definitely factor in. I know, you know, I've looked at when I've run campaigns with EDMs and with um, search or display and I've picked out of the creatives that I've had and I'm like, yeah, definitely this one. I like, this is so it, right? And we've run the test and it's done okay, but it's not the top winner. And it happens all the time. So, you know, and, you know, I would like to hope that after, you know, 20 odd years in the industry and doing this, that I have a fairly good judgment. <laughs> I think it's okay, but clearly the data backs me up of what, and, and also because when you go into the local markets and the market we tested for this one, it was a couple of companies ago, the market was actually Australia. So I'm actually from Australia. Admittedly, I haven't worked there for a long time, but I should know the culture and what they're looking for quite well. Right, so it's not like I was going for Thailand or Vietnam where I've worked in, but maybe not a local. Um, so even at that point, I made a good educated guess, but when we do the AB testing or ABC testing, it doesn't always come out number one. And that's where machine learning and personalization is so exciting for the future. So where do you think personalization is gonna go? So the, the situation that we're all very familiar with, with email is email went from going dear 
user one one three one five one eight to dear dear Simon or dear Nick or dear Tom, and you're like, ooh, me. They know my name. But then, like, if it, all I ever notice is when that doesn't happen. So at some point, everything will be personalised, and then what? Then what is the expectation after that? Because as um, once the personalisation becomes across everything, it'll it'll become invisible. Anticipation. Anticip right. Okay, so predictive, <laughs> un- predictive analytics. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's. Uh, th- I mean that will be great, will it? If if you do this, then I anticipate. I mean we have some sort of algorithms that have this, like with Amazon. If you like this, you like this. But but you think about how AI is really going to evolve that uh, along the journey and how that could integrate into your workflows of marketing automation with your actions. I mean, definitely from a human, we wouldn't be able to calculate anything close to that. But if you wanted to project, I mean, my guess would be maybe that going yeah. forward. Yeah, so I think that Google are doing some interesting stuff. I mean, I, I haven't actually seen it pop up in my Google Docs yet, but um, someone will show me that Google gives them recommendations based on time. You opened this document mm-hmm. on Friday at four o'clock for the last however many weeks it was like a timesheet or, or yeah. whatever so it like make it kind of kind of makes a call but I, I'm, I'm not in the the cool uh, innovator um, uh, test set for that it's depressing <laughs> um but but even and then even with gmail they, you know if you start writing a sent a sentence like i will always write looking forward to it i think it's just a really positive thing like you know, irrespective of how drab the actual thing oh, looking forward to it great you know it's a it's better than yours sincerely or whatever and I, try, I start typing in, looking forward uh, to seeing, and it always writes some weird sentence that is, and I, Google with all of its data, all of its processing might, sh- uh, is still unable to guess the thing that I literally always say every time. So are our uh, innovation expectations just too much? I, I, I kind of think we might be overselling it to the industry to a degree, or am I just being well, too Well, if negative? you look at text, right? Predictive text gets there pretty well Some, sometimes not I mean I must right. admit there's some and I, I hate that I can never get it back when I keep the three times and I have yeah. to delete the word I'm like no that's not what I want um, but I'd say predictive text is definitely an indication it will go that way but you know with personalization I mean the next thing of, of being able to do like dear dear Tom is you know having it like they already can do it now with Adobe right so having making sure that I can select an image that is more relevant to you based on what you've looked I mean at the moment I think they do probably based on gender and and preference and stuff like that but it will go to based on what you've searched and what you do and what images we've seen you search probably the image served up would be more relevant like that so I think that's going to happen before it but you know if you look ahead I don't know because I don't know how how fast they progress these things but yeah anticipating if you do this action what would come next and but that's very literal isn't it it's like you've bought this toaster, this kettle, and this electric scooter. So therefore, you'll want these headphones. But I, I wonder, would it be more useful if it, it could predict emotions? Because most personalization becomes around very, kind of very literal things. Mm. Um, whereas if you could predict from some kind of sentiment analysis what people were going to be feeling at a certain point in time, so you could... Uh, change the the way that the copy worked or the images or you know like I, I somehow think, think there's research into that or I've seen something of that pop up recently but I can't recall um, but I think it will stem from you know the what's happening now with the whole um, based on who you are and what you open in the personalization being able to tailor that to you I think that will be starting from there and with the sentiment 
So, uh, one of our, um, Mark Evans, who's the marketing director at Direct Line in the UK, uh, he said that he was amazed to see um, what I think it was WeChat are doing in China, that um, they are tracking the, I think it's like the 38 or 48 different types of uh, emotions, like, and, and how that um, they were planning on using the different types of facial uh, expressions of emotions to change the user experience. So this person's stressed, or this person's happy, or this person's half and asleep, or drunk, I or whatever. I can see that happening because it's obviously mobile they're using. WeChat has phenomenal amounts because it's its own ecosystem. I mean, we're just launching some enhancements in WeChat, so I've been actually going quite down into the details of it. Um, and we're looking at a new CRM system on WeChat, but because of all the data is housed within, the output is phenomenal and you add in face recognition we know we know our phones listen and watch what we do <laughs> don't laugh at me it's so true i mean how many times have you said something aloud and then an ad has come up I, i've got to pull you up on that one so um uh uh labs was saying that um if you think about how big a uh, Amazon Echo is, like it's it's hardware and it's plugged into a wall, right? And it's constantly listening. Yeah. Like if your phone was constantly listening, you just came through your battery in about like ten minutes, and it would fall over all the time. It, it can't. It it would, but I'll, I'll tell you this. So uh, I know you nodded your head before. So you, I think you know Neil uh, Neil Moore. So he's a good friend of mine. So we were we were out, and uh, we're around the similar age. And uh, we're talking, he's, you know, I'm, I'm, he's like, oh, I'm turning 40 and, you know, oh, the big drag of everything like that. And then he sends me a, a WhatsApp message the next day. He's like, the phone was listening. This is the ad I get, which is literally like, you're turning 40. <laughs> and so, I mean, we've had instances where, you know, these things happen. So I agree, it can't be on all the time, but, but somehow they are picking up this information that happens. <laughs> I mean, you can verify that with Neil. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so, so, but um, at, 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 that's what they're planning. I think, have they released it yet on Amazon Echo that it, it's starting to be emotionally aware as opposed to just tracking the words you're saying? You're, I think so. so. You, the, you it's know, the, the tonality it is, yeah. and it can understand your yeah, emotion, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to understand your emotion, so it, the way that it phrases things or helps you is a little bit different. I, I can't wait, because nothing <laughs> angers me more than voice tech. Like, I was super early on voice tech, and we did some, my old place did some early stuff at Domino's and so on, but it, nothing makes me more angry than, than Google or Alexa not saying, understanding things I say. I get, li like, if my computer doesn't work, you're like, oh, I've got to plug it in or whatever. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I know S Siri never works for me. And my, my kid keeps pressing it, asking Siri to say something. And he just responds with, I don't understand. He is four, though. That's a fair call. Um, and I am so ashamed to admit this, but my daughter has started. Her first two syllable word is Google. <laughs> I, like, seriously, cause, <laughs> because my partner used uh, Google Home all the time to put on music. Like, she loves music. And so she walks around the kitchen and goes, Google, Google. Like, <laughs> I knew that the, the tech giants were going to get somehow infiltrate your life, but not at 15 months, man. It was uh, anyway. Less about me moaning about um, something that was just bound to happen. Thank you so much, Nikki. That was fantastic. Thanks for giving us an in insight into how you manage three different teams uh, and the 
some re- the, the listening to podcasts when you put your baby to sleep is fantastic um, and giving us an insight into how you're making personalization work that's amazing thank you great thank you oh what if people want to get in touch with you how how can they do that yeah you can find me on linkedin uh nikki taylor and that's n-i-k-k-i K-I. yep fantastic and right it's friday night that's it i'm done done for the week let's go great thanks so much <laughs> <laughs>